Welcome to Cinebabble episode 75. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host. <laughs> Don't even remember my name. Can't think of a single thing to refer to me as at no, all. For some reason, my my head is is really fighting against saying like cocaine bear, Clint Jones. Uh, it's it just Clint. Clint Jones. Clint, how are you doing? Tell the world hello. <laughs> I'm just Clint Jones this time. <laughs> just just not... Clint Jones. Just no. I mean, no, I would uh... totally be a cocaine bear mm-hmm. if it was going to get me through the cold I just went through, <laughs> the flu I had. Uh, I, man, I would have tried anything. Cocaine, so. you would have just gone oh, yeah. full in. Like on... if it just like got my heart like a butterfly going yeah. and I could have survived it uh, easier, I would have been all in. From everything I understand, it really opens up your sinuses. So, you know, hey. Well, I'm I'm in for it then. Yeah. You don't get sick very often. No. And when it hits me, it's like every five years or something will get into the, the <laughs> clockwork in the, my little gears. Yeah. And I'll, yeah, it, yeah. it takes me down for a few days. That's such an old timey, like, oh, it's been five years. Here comes that <laughs> flu. I don't know where that voice came from. I liked it. it was, did you? Did yeah. you? I've been working on accents. That was my old timey prospector voice just for you. Thank you. You'll notice he wasn't from Australia, so it actually functioned. As a, as a voice. Can that... you do both at the same time? <laughs> Australian old-timey prospector? Uh, you know, maybe. So have you spent your time uh, in illness just uh, watching lots of things? Yeah, I didn't leave the couch for five days straight. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that's all I did. Do uh, you yeah. tend to use that time to just catch up on things that you've been sort of curious about wanting to watch? Or do you actually... Uh, watch the best stuff on your list when you're sick. It was kind of a combination, okay. Um, which I was kind of happy about that I found some kind of very artsy things, and yeah. then just some things I meant to catch up on that I've just put off. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's it's almost like if I get a virus, that's the time to clean out my queue. Yeah, where you know, not just my digestive tract coming up through, <laughs> but also just kind of like, ah, eh, here's some random movie that's been on my list for six years. Let's just this is the time. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? I'm going to throw up again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a lot easier going where I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. just throw this on. And I found some cool stuff that way. Okay. Um, I'm happy about it. Well, Clint, uh, not what the cold, you... Not the cold? Not the cold. I wasn't happy about that. Okay. Yeah. I was I was really building towards that segue. That was a slow burn <laughs> segue into, Clint, what you've been watching about. You're still an expert at it. You did, it was Thank it was you. well done. Yeah, and I apologize if you hear like a, a clanking sound in my audio. Is because that the it's remaining a, cold? It's a cough drop that's going back and forth and trying to keep me alive through this okay. process. So. I, I just wasn't sure if it was something where it was just like your full iron lung. <laughs> just there might be some of that too. Hopefully, my lungs will hold out through this. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I watched, actually, I think it was the first thing I watched when I like, cause my cold started off very gentle Okay. and I, I thought I was like, I got to the halfway point last Friday and I thought I made it through this. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back. Like I got the weekend oh, ahead of me. Snuck up on you. The next day I get hit by this awful cough and then this took me out for the next three yeah. days after yeah. that. This is, uh, in the, in the industry, what we refer to as being an old man. <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. I think I get sick wrong too. Yep. So yep. does I don't it know. feel like it's backwards? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I just, see, it's not just me. I'm not the only one whose body is just decaying as I speak. So go for it. I'm glad we can go through this together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing I watched was um, uh, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Oh, okay. That uh, finally came for rent on, you know, all our streaming services yeah. that provide these kind of movies to us. Um, this is one I was curious about um, just because I do like Steven Spielberg and I'm, I'm usually pretty, I don't know, into the movies he does. They're, they're pretty, you know, it's Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, but also I wasn't quite sure. I was just curious about it. So I put that on and I, um, I was, it was what I thought it was going to be. But also surprising in some ways. Really? Okay. Um, it goes into, I mean, it is about this, it's like his um, coming up story um, mm-hmm. and him like getting into filmmaking and about his family. But the filmmaking aspect of it, I mean, is a big part of it, but also the family part of it was a lot more interesting than I okay. thought. And like what he deals with with his mother and mm-hmm. like her story. It was a lot more um, nuanced and deeper than I thought it was going to be. I was having a hard time watching the trailers, figuring out what the tone of the movie was. Yeah. Because there were times it almost felt like, um, oh, what was the the movie that uh, Scorsese did that, that was like... Um, Irishman? No, 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 no. The kind of the throwback to early cinema oh, and okay. the, the boy in the clock oh, tower and yeah it it when i watched the trailers for fableman it almost had that kind of um you know fairy tale esque there is that it also is tapping into that time period of like the 50s where okay. it's like you know that 50s idealism kind yeah. of um that's going on and it does have that to it which is what kind of is making didn't make me like it as much as I thought it would because it there's a weird acting style to it mm. like everybody in it is doing it, except for the boy who's playing him he's a little bit more sh- like tr- like modern acting I don't know there's a weird is thing. it sort of a golden age Hollywood kind sort of sort of that's that's what the trailers reminded me of it felt like it had that that kind of sheen to it yeah of, of uh... and there's kind of a cartoonish goofiness to the acting mm-hmm. like it's over the top in some way especially like paul dano yeah. um but it works i wouldn't say it does oh, okay. like it would be a lot stronger if it didn't have that mm. like it was almost on the verge like times where it almost peaked in like paul thomas anderson like yeah. like where like it was that good hmm. but then there it would be taken down by like you would get sucked into that acting style again and it would like kind of un like take away all the power hmm. of what a scene okay. had. And so it was very strange. Like I definitely recommend watching it because there's a lot in it. It's really good and interesting. Um, I, I, there's a cameo at the end. I don't, I'm not going to ruin it. That mm-hmm. was the best part of it. And like, mm. if it had that tone throughout, it would have been fantastic. Okay. But I, I, I can't fault anyone if that part of it, like the acting style that they're going for in it, which is very Spielberg-y. Yeah. Um, and it's just a little too shiny, like, uh, visually for the story they're trying to tell. Like, yeah. there's some points where that goes away and it feels a lot better and um, matching what he's going for thematically and, mm-hmm. like, uh, what he's trying to tell, talk about with his – about his life and stuff. The interesting thing about um, 
about what he's saying about cinema is kind of too interesting too. It's not just like him and how he came into the love of making films. And it was, it's also about like kind of like the power and the, um, how you wield it mm -hmm. kind of, and like what you can do with the moving image, like you can do harm with it. And he's, it's kind yeah. of interesting in what he, how he's learning that process and kind of um, a double-edged sword. Sort yeah. Of thing. And that, that part of it's really interesting. Hmm. Okay. Um, but it's just, there's a very weird shine, uh, shine okay. to it. I, I was going to watch it either way. I was just waiting for it to come down to a kind of a reasonable price. Or, it's like four ninety nine right yeah, now. Yeah. It was, you know, there for the longest time. It was yeah. like 20. So yeah, yeah. I, I didn't go I definitely it. recommend it. And I don't regret watching it. Um, and I think it's definitely um, worth checking out. Okay. Uh, my first thing, I actually went to the theater to see uh, Ant-Man Quantumania, mm -hmm. which I'm going to talk about a little later on when we get to our, our mailbag segment. Because for the first time in my life, I sat down in the wrong theater and did not realize <laughs> it until I had gotten completely through the trailers and the movie began. And what movie was it? Hold on a okay. second. <laughs> so there was a part of me that was just like, oh, no, I'm not in the Ant-Man uh, theater. Were you with other people? And no, nobody else was in there. And I, that's first of all, that should have been a big sign to me that like. I because mm. I went opening weekend and yeah. nobody was in there. So I mean, were you with Rachel? Uh, no, it was just me. You no, know, just you. It was just one of those times <laughs> that I was just going by myself. Okay, yeah. And so I I start looking up the times and realize uh, Ant Man had been running in another theater, the uh, one I thought yeah. I was in, uh, for for a solid half hour. So I'm like, <laughs> what do I do? Uh huh. And I don't know really what movie's about to start. And all of this is sort of happening. In in just like thirty seconds, uh -huh. and then uh, it 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 I realize that I'm like okay, there's there's woods, and uh, okay there's there's a there's a cabin. Oh, it's it's M Night Shyamalan. Oh, uh huh. Knock the cabin. Yeah. Um. So I just sat and watched. Uh -huh. <laughs> And you know, I do not have a fondness for M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah. This movie did not turn me around, uh -huh. uh, even in my surprise to be watching it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I genuinely hated this movie uh -huh. at a level that I was not expecting to. And here's why. Uh, the, the whole premise of this movie is that there is this couple living at the in this cabin with their, I think, seven-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And suddenly this group of four people show up explaining to them that the apocalypse is, is about to happen. Yeah. And they need one of them to willingly sacrifice themselves to prevent the apocalypse. Uh-huh. And they won't murder these people. Mm -hmm. uh, they refuse to, to choose because if, if this group of four murders somebody, it doesn't happen. They need this family to believe them and and decide one of them to sacrifice to avert the apocalypse. There's no explanation as to why it is this family. Mm -hmm. There's no explanation as to why this group of four people have descended on this cabin other than God told us to. They mm -hmm. don't know each other before this. God just told us separately and we all came together to come to your house and uh, make sure one of you kill yourselves i guess because god was too busy to tell this family of three mm -hmm. and so he just told random but anyway uh the, the, he's busy the premise really is shaky uh-huh a really shaky premise and let me tell you 
Uh, that's that. That's probably a good thing because nothing in the movie uh, was any more steady or stable. <laughs> and the whole time, uh, I think what kept me is, well, at least something weird is going to happen at the end. Mm-hmm. Has to. Because <laughs> this guy is already famous for bonkers twists. Mm-hmm. It's going to get bonkers, at least. I'll yeah. at least have something to share with Clint and laugh mm-hmm. about. Well, Clint... Nothing bonkers happens at the end of this movie. <laughs> That's this a thing, twist in itself. This thing it just putters out like nobody's business uh-huh. and just sort of comes to this standstill where lots has happened. Yeah. And yet nothing has happened. And it was the most unsatisfying, which if it had been a nice surprise, man, what a story to go in to see some rando, uh, you know, the next Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. And to discover this little gem just because you were an idiot and walked into theater 10 instead of 8. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was the, the worst version of this story imaginable. And so this is a very, very long and drawn out way of saying, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan should be making movies. I just... You've had should, that uh, opinion for a long time. I, I have in this one. Yeah. Ooh, it uh, it's available for streaming uh, at an expensive rental price mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, um, you know, clearly I I paid eight dollars to see it. Whoops, but uh, oof. oh, Clint, I'm sorry that happened oh, to you. Clint. Thank you, thank I'm really you. Sorry, I yeah, I still contend that the theater must have mislabeled my ticket and their doorway <laughs> and the layout of their hallway and uh etc etc mm-hmm. just yeah just uh and and then pull one you know, i felt you. like such an idiot because as i'm thinking back you know how it shows you the shape of the theater and and our local theater has a different back row and i like the little back rows and mm-hmm. the little small theaters and even when i walked in i'm like well this is a different layout than it's supposed to be <laughs> Uh, Did you just pick a seat? I just, well, (laughs) in the vicinity of where I knew my seat was, it's just all of the things that should have indicated, yeah, yeah, like, hey, you're not in the right place. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so there you go. I'm so sorry. First time for everything. I've done that before. Really? Yeah, it's, okay. I can't remember specifics of it. It was okay. a long time ago. Okay. But. I, I looked at the other movies playing in the theater at the time, and, and really, uh, it, had I sat in any other theater, I think it would have been at least a uh, a decent experience, yeah. a decent story. But this, this is, man, if you could have ranked the movies in this theater 1 to 10, this was definitely at the bottom of what I would have <laughs> wanted to end up in. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Adventures. Adventures, Adventures in, in movie going. Yes. With yeah. Ken. So what else have you been watching, Clint? So um, you actually texted me and sent me an article about how there's a new Dead Ringers um, show coming out. Yes. With uh, Rachel Weiss. Yes. And um, I realized, like, I had never seen the original all the way through. This completely blew my mind when yeah. you texted back, oh, I've never actually seen the original. Because we talk about Cronenberg all the time, yeah. and that's one of his sort of... Uh, you know, at least one that people talk about a lot and gets mentioned a lot. So I was really surprised you hadn't seen it. Yeah, it's one where I started it late one night, fell asleep 20 minutes in, and then just never got back around to it. Well, and let's be honest. When a film synopsis starts with twin brother gynecologist, yeah. not exactly the thing that's going to drag me in to watch. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's top of my list. Twin brother gynecologist. Woohoo. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
so I put that on. That was my next thing. I think after Fablesmans, when I was sick, Fablemans. What uh, a double the, feature! I know. Um, and I will say um, this: Yeah, David Cronenberg from 1988, and um, it's got Jeremy Irons playing the two brothers. Mm-hmm. I will say I love this movie. It was really good. Um, not what I was was expecting. It was. I love that it was a real slow burn into the Cronenberg like you know, his visuals and his yeah. ideas and everything. And I thought Jeremy Irons was awesome at like really conveying like these two different characters, yeah. but also like really like blurring them together in this strange yeah. way. Um, I, I was really uh, into this movie. I thought it was really cool. It's interesting because we've been talking about with Brandon Cronenberg, his son, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was Possessor or uh, Infinity Pool. It's, I mean, it's in the the body horror genre, mm-hmm. I suppose, but it's much more identity horror. Mm-hmm. And Cronenberg, you don't usually think of in those terms of body horror, but this is one where it's very, where where is the line of self and where's the line of of individuality in this strange, uh, you know, dynamic between these characters, um, and it it uh, it gives a. A, a very off-putting sort of uncomfortable uh vibe that makes it difficult to to kind of approach it first. Yeah. It is identity but also since they are these twin brothers in a basically sharing this same genetic makeup. Yeah. It, it's it's stra- it is also body horror and um and also because like they're sharing their bodies with this same woman and stuff yeah. and, and also like just the the gynecological um aspect of it like the body horror there yeah oh man that's just like that subtle thing about like there's there's these um like mutant women out there yeah. with that and they're is just so fixated on this idea that it is so interesting. Well, and it's an inherently, I, I'm sure if you're female, well, watch me walk down this road. <laughs> Can't wait to see this. Oh, uh, I'm sure if you're a female, I, I guess this sort of just becomes commonplace for you over the years. But men don't have a version of uh, going to a doctor where you literally have to put your legs up and sort of expose yourself to a doctor just in Deep, your internal uh, yeah part. yeah it, it's just it's a very strange um there, there's a level of discomfort there watching it as a male because it is so alien mm-hmm. um that it's it's a very strange idea and world um i would love to know how a female watches this movie versus how you and i watch this movie yeah um because it has to be different levels of discomfort for entirely different reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not recommending we show this to our <laughs> wives. I know my wife would despise this film. Um, but all right. Yeah, I'm wondering. My, I wonder what she would think of it. I don't know. Um, well, I've. Are, are you good? I'm with, good. I, I really okay. liked it. I was surprised how much I did once mm-hmm. I decided to invest the time yeah. to go through it. Yeah, and Jeremy Irons is always great. Honestly, I'm I, I'm um, gonna come back to him in a second after okay. this, uh, um, which is a but much uh, more logical um, double feature okay. that I did. So I'll talk about him more in a minute. For some reason, my brain always remembers him as this actor from the 80s or 90s that were that was always in just kind of low rent movies, and I don't know why I have that impression of him. Yeah, because. Every time I go and watch him, he's in really uh, interesting 
things. Yep. Uh, where where he's uh, he's he's got an eye for picking mm-hmm. different projects. Uh, I I spent much of my weekend uh, finally checking out a series on Netflix that I then got sort of sucked into, and this is you. Have you seen this? I've, I think I started it at some point. But. This is Dexter. If, okay. If Dexter was updated and was more of a, a serial stalker. Okay. No, this uh, is not what I started, but I know what okay. you're talking about. Uh, this is um, – it stars Penn Badgley, or I, I guess that's how you say his name, as Joe Goldberg, who is this person that that is seriously mentally damaged mm-hmm. uh, and has some some – uh, you know, sociopathic tendencies and things like that, but he hyper fixates on uh, one woman at a time, and everything in his world tells him this is the love of his life, mm-hmm. and he he wants to uh, really not control her, but control her life. He identifies things in a woman's life that. Uh, you know, oh, this friend is really bad for you. This ex-boyfriend is really bad for you. And he finds himself drifting into kind of murder territory. Mm. Um, it, it is it is one of those shows that will suck you in and keep you watching. But I don't think it's as smart or as clever as it could be. Mm. And I realize now going back when I've when I've rewatched Dexter, a lot of Dexter is the same yeah, way. Yeah. I think at the time it felt very novel and very different and edgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that worked for it at the time. So in a lot of ways, you feels sort of uh, dated. Uh-huh. It it feels a little like yesteryear. Uh, it's actually from Sarah Gamble and Greg Berlanti. They're the kind of showrunners and creators. Uh, but Sarah Gamble is the one that took over for Supernatural. Greg Berlanti is the one who ran the Flash universe. Oh, okay. Uh, and so once I clued into the fact that these are kind of CW showrunners, uh-huh. it started to make sense. Oh, okay. And then it was like, yep, this does feel like a – uh, a CW show with, you know, how they have a very particular kind of hook yeah. and a style. It just, this is more R-rated and it's on Netflix mm-hmm. and and uh, I think it has some some higher level casting. Mm. Uh, I'm not recommending it to you, yeah. but if you're a fan of, uh, I'm going to keep watching it, if you're a fan of kind of pulpy uh, serial killer stuff where you find yourself in weird ways rooting for a terrible human being, uh, to continue getting away with stuff and being weird and mm-hmm. terrible, this is the show for you. So, um, yeah, not quite what I expected, but but kind of guilty pleasure level enjoying it. Yeah, I they've been advertising it a lot because I guess the new season came out. Yeah, so season four I, came out, and I think they're wrapping up with season five. Okay, so I was slightly curious, but at the same time, I like a lot of Netflix shows. I just know that like. There's there's a certain quality to them yeah. that I just can't get into, and I just don't invest myself into them. This is one that really pulled me in, but I was not expecting it to be eventually as formulaic as it became. That's another place that it really reminds me of Dexter. Dexter at first felt very, I don't know what's going to happen. But then as seasons went along, you realized, oh, there's – no, there's a formula to this. Yeah, yeah. And there's a way these episodes work. Mm-hmm. And and so it takes away some of the surprise. And right. especially with Dexter, uh, you know, under my arm, it, this kind of picks up right in that same mm-hmm. formula. 
And so I identified the formula very early. If, uh, you know, if you ever want to check it out, if you don't really enjoy it, the first two episodes, it's, it's exactly what, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and, and they do, they do change each season season, which I'm, that was nice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with whole new cast of supporting characters, some kind of coming over, but like the first season's in New York, second season's in LA. I haven't gotten to the third season. It's LA, but then fourth season looks like it's Europe. Hmm. Like England, so that's yeah, and that made me think that it was like a British series. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was just seeing like images of it, yeah. and, uh, but uh, it's yeah. you know it's 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 worth checking out if you know mm-hmm. I'm going to keep watching it because now I'm I'm in. Yeah, as you should, Ken. Well, maybe. All right, what else you got, Clint? <laughs> so I this is where I get started getting really artsy, and I dove oh. into Criterion. Okay. Um, uh, by the way, I signed up for Criterion. Uh, can I say something about yeah. that real quick? It's it's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. There is so much content oh, in yeah. movies, and I was not anticipating the amount of films and commentaries mm-hmm. and behind the scenes stuff, and interviews with. Yeah, it's it's like somebody just dropped a giant pile of Criterion Blu-rays in yep. my lap of movies that I've never seen with. Not just, oh, here's two hours on a film. Uh, the other night I watched um, Kronos again because we had talked uh-huh. about that. Uh, but with the Guillermo del Toro commentary and mm, stuff. Yeah. And, and just fully, uh, I think for the first time, really, really sinking into that movie and yeah, enjoying it. I love even though movie. it was through the commentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, sorry. I just, a uh, little bit of a plug there. It was only like $11 a month. Yeah, And it's, it's cool. wild how much you get yeah. for... Eleven dollars, and they switch it up a lot, yeah. and they do a really good job of like you know, like Halloween comes around, they get a really awesome collection of Halloween movies yeah. that other things aren't carrying and stuff. And it's clear on the website; it's it's very well laid out. Where it's hey, here's what's disappearing at the end of February, yep. and here's some things that are coming, and it just uh, it I, like I said, it was just it it really blew my mind how much uh, there there really is yeah in, in this package. I'll give you a. Uh, something that I've been doing that's been really cool and helping me kind of dig into it is they do they've been doing these collections mm-hmm. and they'll do yeah. like a uh, director like um, who maybe has a film coming out so they'll do like pre three of their previous like older films that you might not be familiar with and that's a good way to like find. Um, Maybe a new director that you're you could be into, and and it's a collection, so you can just go through like yeah. all of them, and it's cool. Even older films from directors, I I went into the um, Denis Villeneuve. Yep. Uh, yeah, I folder, watched all and those. I'm like these are movies I haven't even heard of. Yeah. I didn't know these existed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I burned through all of them. Yeah. They were just they were so. Uh, it was just. Uh, Anyway, can't can't praise it enough. Really so, kicking myself for not getting it sooner. <laughs> so I actually did that what I was talking about. So I mm-hmm. watched all the films of um uh what's his name? Jerzy uh Skolomowski. He's a <laughs> and he's a Polish Every time you talk about this, it sounds like you're making this stuff up. Skolomowski. Skolomowski. He's a Polish okay. director who I think he then like went li- lived in like England because he was kind of like forced out of Poland. Mm-hmm. Um and so they have a collection of his uh three earlier films because I think he just had a new movie come out called EO. Oh, yeah, with the donkey. Yeah, yeah. I saw the trailer for that on there. Yeah, so I watched all three of the films on there. And the, the one that I um, 
all of them are really interesting and worth watching, and I like them for different reasons. The one that uh, really grabbed me was um, Moonlighting from mm-hmm. 1982 with Jeremy Irons. Yeah, and, and Cher, right? No. Nope, thinking of a totally wrong Totally movie. different movie. Never mind, world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is the synopsis for us. Uh, for it. It, um, it is set in early 1980s at the time of solidarity protest in Poland. It stars Jeremy Irons as Nowak, a Polish builder leading a team of working a team working illegally in London. This is definitely not Moonlight with Cher. No, no, no. <laughs> So it's Jeremy Irons, and he's like the head of this little team, and there's this Polish, um, you know, um, political figure who lives in, like, has a headquarters in London. And to save money, he brings these workers in from Poland to do the work at his house. Mm -hmm. And during this, this um, solidarity uh, protests break down, and, like, uh, travel into Poland is restricted. So they're stuck there. And, like, they're cut off from the people paying for this job and everything. So Jeremy Irons is trying to figure out how to, like, get through doing this job on this house. And he starts doing, like, petty crime around um, London and just trying to, like, um, also he doesn't want the other men to know that this happened, that they're cut off so that they'll, like, not freak out and Mm -hmm. they'll finish this job. And it's it's really good and interesting and it almost feels like a prison break film but they're not like cuz they're like stuck in this place and they're and he's trying to figure out how to like get resources and how to like cut on the costs of doing this job and hmm. it's it's really fascinating okay. it's really kind of darkly funny too hmm. um and it's also just interesting seeing like London at this time period um, in in the eighties. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic okay. and uh, definitely worth watching. And another movie, Jeremy Jeremy Irons is awesome. Mm. And, um, so I don't have a lot to say about it. I just think it's really worth checking out. And okay. All all three of the films that uh, that are on there um, that um, Jersey Skolomowski uh did are, are really yes one's called um i'm not going to go into them one is called i think the shout or the scream mm-hmm. and this one's so uh I, the synopsis of this one's really weird because it's like about this guy who learns how to do this like ancient scream that can kill a man and so like he kind of like forces a, his way into like staying with this couple and like holds this over their head that like i could kill you with a shout and like he kind of takes a uh, like um advantage of the wife and like hmm. is like holding the husband kind of hostage in this situation it's really weird and interesting, interesting. and then he did this other one on there i think it's called the deep end and it's a kind of very Rushmore-y, mm-hmm. like a proto Rushmore movie. Hmm. Um, it's it's fascinating, but all he's very like auteur mm-hmm. like director, um, just doing his own thing. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, my next thing, and man, brace yourself because I swore <laughs> I was done with this show. Season three of Picard uh, popped up. I will tell you right now. I started watching season two. Okay. Yeah, because I was just curious and wanted something simple. So okay. uh, you go ahead. Let me just go ahead and recommend you skip right over season two. I was just doing sort of my Star Trek due diligence as a fan of the next generation. Mm-hmm. Fine. I hated the end of season two and and just how wonky it sort of all got. But I'm like, all right, well, season three is bringing back the next generation cast. I at least want to see these geezers one last time. <laughs> Let's see what they're up to. Uh-huh. Two episodes in, 
this show's great. Again, okay. Uh, I've I've not uh, in recent memory seen a show so turn me off in a season two that is just full force bringing me in in season three. This genuinely feels like what Picard season one probably would have been better off being. This feels like a legitimate continuation of the Next Generation storyline. It's it's exciting. It's got kind of that that discovery. Um, uh, uh, what's Energy? the other one? Star Trek. Uh, the one I like. Um, oh, New World. Uh, yeah, n- n- a strange new world. Strange new world. It, it yeah. definitely has that vibe and that that polish to it. Yeah. Uh, but it it is actually bringing back these characters that I fell in love with in the show, and it's 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 kind of bringing them back together one by one. And uh, it's it's got a really good story underneath it all that's that's got me kind of in it. It starts right at the beginning with a bang, and and it's just uh, wow. I I'm really really impressed. Again, only two episodes in, yeah. still plenty of time to drop that ball. But um, I I'm I'm thoroughly happy as a fan of the next generation with where this is going so far. That's cool. Yeah. I'm gonna finish too, just because like. Star Trek for me is always kind of just like an enjoyable thing. I'm not as yep. invested in it as some other things. Like I, I do love the world, but at the same time, I can kind of forgive it. Yeah. I'm very forgiving of it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. In, in, in Picard season two, if it was just a, a season of a show that's, you know, eight seasons yeah. and it, it wouldn't have bothered me as much as just knowing that this is a three-season arc that they have kind of mapped out yeah. to devote a whole season to just to, you know, time travel to present day. Uh-huh. Even if they had gone back more to the 80s or so, something yeah. that just gave it a little bit of period flavor. Yeah. It just felt very lazy, like, and here's I can, 2022. I can understand Ugh. that. So, but man, I'm I'm really loving season three so far, and I I am on board. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, Something and to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm just going to blow through these other two, kind of combine them. Because okay. these are things that I meant to um, catch up on, finish, and it was finally laid out enough <laughs> on my back that I got to do it. Okay. And um, the first thing was I finished Atlanta. Oh, okay. Atlanta. Yes. Um, that show is constantly surprising and strange, and yep. I was never knew what was going to happen, and yep. I love that about it. And it's darkly so dark and funny and uh, poignant, and um, really covers a lot of ground. I'm surprised by that show, yeah, and I enjoyed the end of that. Um, yeah. The next thing I watched, and it was something I'd also been meaning to kind of get all the way through. I'd only seen the first six episodes, and. Uh, so I got to watch the rest, and that is Primal mm-hmm. yeah. um, by uh, by Gindi Tartakovsky. Mm-hmm. And animated caveman. Animated and caveman and his dinosaur. And this is one of my new favorite things yep. ever. Yep. Um, Did you go clear through and get to the, like, yeah, the I wa- end end? I watched awesome. all of it. I, I, I had a couple weeks ago um, watched the th- – previous six that I had already mm-hmm. watched just so I could get through, uh, see them all together. And this show is, I will say it is like Studio Ghibli levels of 
excellence in that yeah. it, the animation is like not stylistically I'm not saying that but like the animation is just as well like thought out and yeah. detailed and like really captured it's like they accomplish so much with so little yes and that's the thing like man you I feel like there's more in that show with saving time not having useless dialogue yep. that you get so much more like I will get through I'll, I'll be like watching an episode and think like it's it's got to be over soon yeah. and I'm like only halfway through yeah. because they just pack so much content into yeah. it that it's like so moving and interesting and like um that it's it's definitely like one of my I have I'm gonna revisit it yeah. time and time again after this because it's so well done and every act, interaction and encounter means more and weighs more and just you just feel it more yeah, uh, than if they were sitting around having long conversations. It, it would be, especially the concept of the show, it would probably be borderline stupid if mm-hmm. like if they did have dialogue on it. Yeah. But like this, it gets across every emotion, um, probably even more successfully without any dialogue. Yeah. And man, just like I said, the, the, the animation is so gorgeous in this show. Yeah. Um, I love it. And um, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I really, I wish they had an art book out for it. Yeah. Um, I would just love to just look at the art because like, every frame of it is like a beautiful, like painting yeah. and drawing. Yeah. Um, I, it's amazing. The kind of the, the peak of it for me was that, that last season with their battle with the Vikings and then ending up on uh, the giant uh, like slave ship, ship. the yeah. slave ship, and the the relationship that's formed with one of the other gladiator yeah. type figures, and so much storytelling mm-hmm. and character work done with, I mean, just just no real dialogue. It's it's done with emotions and expressions and flashes to things that happened and these very dramatic events um, that were just. Uh, you know, getting that other gladiator's backstory, yeah, uh, was was really beautiful and moving, yeah. honestly, and just so sad, yeah. Um, well, it's just it reminds me of like reminds me that like, man, like movies and and TV and cinema and stuff is a visual language, yeah. yeah. And like when you can like sit in that more and rely on that aspect of it more like i feel like you can get a lot more across yeah. and and go in more interesting angle like areas it's i wish more people would dive into that side yeah. of it and i think that's something in all of his projects samurai jack or the oh, star yeah. wars shorts he did or whatever else he builds in limitations for himself that forces him to really lean on the visual Mm-hmm. element of everything and really tell stories in in a in a more comprehensive way than you usually get with animation. Yeah. Um it's fantastic awesome. and if you if you haven't seen that man just dive into it. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Um that's all I have. Okay. The only other thing I was going to mention there's this great series on Shutter that I've been watching. Uh it just wrapped up its third part. It's called In Search of Darkness. Uh-huh. And it's it's just a man a block a documentary and a half. It's it's I think 6 hours. Hmm. Uh this is the third volume of it, but it just goes back through the horror movies of the 80s. Okay. A lot of which aren't uh available or aren't available on HD anymore. Yeah. And it's it's super comprehensive and it 
it's it's not even something where oh I want to go and find every one of these films. It's just so interesting to see during the slasher era era and the the sort of kind of VHS homecoming of horror movies uh, or not homecoming but but sort of launch of just all of this material that existed in the 80s some of which you know might be lost uh, mm-hmm. at this point and things like that uh it's just it's so interesting and it really focuses in like it gives a very quick synopsis of what actually happens in the movie but it's much more uh this uh this this kind of lineup of people talking about their memories of it and where it was culturally significant or mm-hmm. where it broke new ground or or did something new or uh and you really start to have this this larger discussion about horror in general and how it's something that really turns some people off but for others it it really engages their imagination uh-huh. and so it was it was just really cool that's that's actually one of the ways that i found possession okay um and the blob from 89 mm. and and some of those other movies uh it's just it's a cool way uh and yeah it, you know it's it's five or six hours of your life but it's also something you can easily put on in the background yeah yeah and sort of just you know uh, pause and come back to at any point mm-hmm. um because it's it's pretty a, a rapid fire trip through all these different these movies and uh just just really cool but yeah it's in, it's in search of darkness so uh, cool i think yeah. i've seen that on there so yeah i'll have to watch that all right uh well today um we are not doing larger reviews of movies because we actually have been putting off and putting off uh kind of just all of these different um messages that people have been sending us with questions and stuff like that and we always say we're going to incorporate this in more episodes and that's that's my failing not clint's but we are uh, going to just have another mailbag episode is this something where you're going to have music for this it's like but it's not a mailbag i don't know i do yeah oh, yeah okay, I, cool. I also have an idea for a a new theme song okay i, I know the lyrics are going to be um, mailbag, mailbag. We're not talking testicles. We're talking receptacles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be something like that. I got some more in not mind. So yeah. All right. So let's let's officially say it's time <laughs> for Cinnababble's, uh second mailbag. 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 We're not. wait to hear this thing all right uh our first message is from ron from new mexico hey guys i type out the usual love for the pod but i'm writing in so i guess it's obvious question on your best of list for 2022 what are the criteria for a top tier movie uh on each of your list or top tier movies on each of your list uh he has more let's let's kind of break that down and start there what what was your criteria or, or what is your criteria when when you're watching a movie uh, and it's it's not like we sit there with a score sheet or something. But when you're watching a movie, what are the things that really click that, oh, man, this is this is really doing it for me. And this is going to end up in in my best of list. 
Well, I mean, like we you just said, we don't have a scorecard. Mm-hmm. We don't have like a five thumbs up or or whatever to like rate these movies. It's pure. five thumbs up. <laughs> That's a good movie. Yeah. yeah well, unless, yeah, I mean, depends yeah. on how many thumbs we're yeah. dogging. I got two thumbs and these other three thumbs. Who knows where they came from? But <laughs> this guy and his three severed thumbs. I have a bag of thumbs. <laughs> and I'm holding them up for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's all purely like emotional reaction to mm-hmm. something and how well it can stay in my, um, like, the forefront of my mind for the continuation of the year so if i get to the end of the year and it's still something i'm thinking about and i'm still like kind of have this like ghostly feeling from it still um then it'll make the list like that's really it's all just like a pure emotional reaction to a thing Uh, i'm i'm the exact same way there's there's also a therapeutic element to it where not only does it stick with me but i'm i'm a physical media kind of person. I don't mind streaming stuff, but I like having a copy on my shelf yeah. if it's a movie that really clicks with me. And it's one of those things where I can tell you, if I am in this kind of mood, I want to go to my shelf and grab this movie mm-hmm. because this is the movie that my brain needs. It's almost like medicine. Uh-huh. I have a certain kind of headache. I need a certain kind of medicine. And I, cocaine I can... Bear. Cocaine bear. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to see that. I hope it's good. Um, but... It's, it's something where when I'm watching a movie, I can feel that certain kind of medicine working its magic on me. Yeah. And I just know when I was watching everything everywhere all at once for the first time, I could already feel it was doing things to my brain that put it at a different level. Yeah. By the end of it, I knew it was an even higher level. When I'm watching it the second time, I, I could just feel... It's 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 indescribable. It's just that feeling of this is going to be a thing I revisit because it is just really connecting and giving me an emotional experience and clarity mm-hmm. that I'm hungry for. And the reason I use that as an example is Ron goes on to say, uh, I know it's all one man's opinion and all that, but everything everywhere as the number one baffles me. I really had a hard time connecting with the characters. They were all likable, but sometimes the movie felt so convoluted and blurry that I couldn't get my bearings. I tracked the plot and all, and I watched it twice, so I understand everything. Michelle Yeoh and her daughter just left me cold. Any assistance to appreciate a film you've already talked about at length would be great. So, Clint, how do you... Is it is it just subjective? Like, is is there anything Ron can do here uh, in rewatching everything everywhere to appreciate it, or is it just a man? If you haven't felt something after after two times this movie, it's just it's not for you. Maybe they're the wrong characters to focus on, or something. Ooh, interesting. Like maybe focus on uh, it was a Ki Kwan, uh, yeah, yeah, his character Waymond. Um, Waymond. Yeah. Because, man, he's such the heart of the movie. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like once they really settled into him, it was a, that was definitely an end for me, too. Yeah. And there was a whole new other level of just, like, this idea of kindness and yeah. how powerful that can be. Um, that was a, a definitely an end for me in that, too. And, like, even you mm-hmm. might, that might help you with their storyline. That's you know? interesting because I, I hadn't even thought about it till you said it, but I... I don't really find Michelle Yeoh's character to be the main character. I get that she's the center of the story. Yeah. But the 
she's the one that everything else is being explored through. But I find uh, Waymond and Joy to be the two characters, the ones that are really struggling and suffering yeah. because of her choices right. that really are the heart of the movie. I, I don't know that she, I'm thinking through it right now, trying to fast forward through it all, but I think I could she's see, supposed to leave you cold yeah, even I think, by the end. Because that's kind of how she is. Yeah, yeah. She's so matter of fact about things. And I think that's the whole journey of the movie is yeah. her coming around to see that she's been hurting the ones she loves and that she needs to, um, she's been selfish. Yeah. And her coming around to the end, I, I think that's the power of the movie yeah. and her realizing what she's been doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what why the I think the end's so powerful because you're seeing this kind of horrible woman who's selfish and um, kind of just fixated on her own uh, problems and things yeah. um, come around to see her the point of view of her husband and her daughter. Yeah, I think that's the real power in that movie. Well, and maybe that's something where it, you know if if you're watching a movie a second time because it didn't quite click for you the first time and you're trying to discover what clicks, it's almost like you have to reset your brain and try to watch it a different way yeah. or from a different anchor point. Because if, if if something didn't work for your brain the first time, unless it was because you genuinely just could not follow something. I could definitely you know. see the stylistic choices of that movie and how it is so um, frantic and all over the yeah. place and the, the the humor of it kind of being a turnoff from it. And Especially if, you if your brain is logical and you're trying to understand how this works. Yeah, and I could see the just never getting around that yeah. part of it, and that's okay. But I, I'm i kind of more, I don't know, I, I'm into that style of... Yeah like lunacy i guess yeah. so yeah. um I don't yeah know. i can just sort of let it go and and roll with it yeah uh those kind of more but i don't Looney fault Tunes aspect. yeah i can fault can't fault anyone yeah. if that's just not gelling for yeah. you i i i'm not i don't care to think through how would a universe actually develop hot dog fingers and why would there be a wreck i just it's funny and yeah I, you know i'm good with it uh dave from detroit uh michigan he clarifies. Oh, thank you for <laughs> yes, the specificity. Yes. Uh, Dave from Detroit, Pennsylvania says, Clint, uh, my pod muse, my true rock star of Cinebabble. Thanks, Dave. Uh, <laughs> you're clearly a man of many travels, exploits, and adventures. How do you have so much time to globetrot, work for international peace, nab so many sports and cultural awards, and find time to podcast? Seriously, though, can you walk me through the process behind penning the opening Cinebabble theme music? What was the inspiration other than yelling Cinebabble in into an echo chamber, LOL. <laughs> I would love to understand the process there. Love the opening song. Um, well, the initial seed for that was I had for, I was in this mode where I was playing um, kind of like 60s, like um, surf rock, surf right? rock yeah. on, on yeah. the guitar. I was really diving into that. And I wrote this little like surf rocky um, melody and I, it was didn't go far enough that it could be a whole song or yeah. anything, but it was the perfect amount for the opening, and it was the tone I wanted for the opening because I wanted some energy to it, and I wanted um, uh, 
to kind of explore because I just was recently getting into synthesizers. So I'd got a synth and I was like, oh, it'll be kind of a cool juxtaposition between this surf rock and like synth. So that was the seed of it was the the main gu- gu- guitar line in it. Um, when I first heard it, when you and and I waited till it popped up on the episode and like episode two, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And and I listened to it. It immediately gave me. Uh, the vibe that I got when Pulp Fiction hit its first credit scene, the first time I watched Pulp Fiction, uh-huh. it's that it felt it it, it, it had this yeah, 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 it, yeah. But it but it had this launch kind of quality yeah yeah like you're you're about to really roll into something yeah and there there was something about that that had a very uh, pulpy seventies movie vibe mm-hmm. uh, that I just instantly like man what a perfect opener for <laughs> uh, a movie podcast. Yeah, I wanted something with enough energy that um, maybe we won't be able to live up to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except we want to disappoint you, yeah. honestly. Uh, that first 30 yeah. seconds, it sets a bar, and we really hope to come in below that Yeah, so that your experience is really a, a downhill slide mm-hmm. into mediocrity and you know just realizing how much time you've And just us spending 40 us. minutes just talking about movies we watched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from Paulo, uh, originally from Brazil, but living the American dream in Washington state. Uh, Paulo says, what authors or works would you like to see inspire an anthology series in the vein of cabinet of curiosities? What filmmaker or filmmakers would you want to see in charge? Like Guillermo del Toro. Uh, he also then goes on to kind of mention, uh, love, death and robots with Fincher producing that Mm. and things like that. For me, that's one. Hands down, and and I'm biased because I just I I love both these realms, but I would love to see a a really high quality Stephen King anthology uh-huh. of just different things adapted from from his short stories. Yeah, yeah. I I would kill for that, and kind of hand in hand with that, like a genuine Lovecraft uh, anthology, mm-hmm. and that for that one. For the Stephen King one, I don't know who I'd want to cobble it together except for What's-His-Face on Netflix that does all the great Stephen King adaptations, uh-huh. maybe. Uh, but, man, imagine a Lovecraft adaptation anthology of shorts done by uh, Panos uh, Cosmatos, uh-huh. uh, who did that great oh, yeah. Lovecraft well, Lovecraftian short yeah, yeah. in uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Like, oh, my goodness, give him a whole thing where it's just him and a bunch of super weird uh visually inventive indie directors mm-hmm. taking these impossible to film Lovecraft stories and really going out there with them um, and maybe not even Lovecraft stories just that kind of cosmic horror right but really not you know because there were other things in Cabinet of Curiosities that were Lovecraft but they they had that cartoony quality to them where they were trying to be too literal. Mm-hmm. Whereas his Lovecraftian segment was just so surreal yeah. and so bonkers and so unsettling. Very collection. Very much in the vein of HP Lovecraft, but yep. not directly maybe. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh what I I know this is kind of top of your head, but well, I mean, I'm definitely in the Stephen King, but I'm in the um, the Dark Tower series. Ooh. I just I I and I know that that's kind of been announced that that might be happening. Yeah. Um. But I just would. I'm just lo- so hoping it happens 
and it's as good as what I want it to be. Yeah. Um, and it's the showrunner of um, who did uh, what's his name? I can't remember the showrunner. I know. Name. Yeah. He did um, Midnight Mass, yeah. and yeah. he did. Um, Oh, it's not. I hadn't even thought of that, though, because he's doing kind of the adaptation of the books. It would be awesome if those are successful. You you could so have a in the world of the Dark Tower because there's so many side stories and little corners of that universe or side characters to just follow and do, you know, short story style uh, anthology segments with uh, that could be really, really cool, especially once you've really developed the the visual language for that world in a series. Um, that is just in the books. It just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. There's so much there. Yeah. But I, I honestly think uh, his name is not clicking with me right now, but he's the perfect choice. And I, I love that he kind of sold himself to Stephen King Yeah, and, um, and he was totally on board with what yeah. his vision for it is. And that's, I, I'm really hoping that comes across as well as I, I wanted to. The one thing I, um, and this is outside of you know, like genre, but and this might just be because I've been reading a lot of his short stories, and that's mm-hmm. um, I've been reading a lot of George Saunders, um, and he his short stories are so bizarre and kind of mundane, but there's this weird surrealness to them and co- dark humor to them yeah. that I would love just maybe an anthology of those, yeah. like just like all these little indie directors coming together and mm-hmm. like each picking one up and doing their version yeah. of it. That would be really cool. Yeah, I I really like the anthology for a way to tackle challenging or quote unquote unfilmable or uh, you know kind of just out there yeah sort of ideas because you don't have you're not saddled with the same uh, demands that a feature length film is is saddled with mm-hmm. and, and you can really just be weird or just yep. invent or uh, even in cabinet of curiosities that thing with the face cream that i hated I... It, it was still an entire episode where somebody could just make their world and do mm-hmm. their tone and yeah it didn't work for me but you loved it uh, yeah i loved it and where else would you get something like that yeah in today's film landscape like there's no way that could ever get the budget for uh, you know, a two-hour feature. I'm surprised we have something like Malignant, but even that only happened because James Wan wanted to do it. Yeah, and I think, man, short short form is so interesting. Yeah, like because yeah. like you're saying, you don't have to draw it out into this two-hour feature. Mm-hmm. You can just get your point across in your story yep. in whatever thirty minutes, twenty minutes, and I think it's um, for film and for in uh, literature, it's yeah. like because it's a little bit more pure. Because you're mm-hmm. you're just getting the thing out that you initially were struck with the idea, um, and you're not like you know you don't have to draw it out into this thing that maybe it's not necessarily meant to be, and it's not as discouraging for a viewer because uh, you know yeah. going back to the face cream thing, okay, it didn't work for me, but it was not the only thing. It was right. just okay. Well, there's an there's another episode. There's another story. Yep to dive into after this. And, and it was it was just one of those, uh, you know, I can just cleanse my palate and it hit the reset button and see what they have next for me. Yep. And even if, you know, I liked it much more than that, but even if I had come out of that and only had that uh, Panatos, Panos, Cos, uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> only had his short, I would have still found that 
completely worth it because that, sure. that one short would have been. I think that's why when we talked about me. it, how I talked about how I thought it was super successful. Yeah. Because I liked like 50% of them. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, like that's like hit rate when you have that many different people doing like horror or doing something like that, that I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it made it definitely worth my time. Yeah. Uh, Jay and Mercy from New York. Um, I guess there are a couple. Uh, Jay and Mercy say, love, love, love the top 10 discoveries list. Please bring it back each year. Thank you very much, Jay and Mercy. Uh, that definitely actually, will. That was Clint's idea, and we weren't sure how it was going to pan out. That was actually my favorite Mine of our too. three yeah. lists. Uh, not that I don't enjoy doing the top 10 or whatever, but it was just so much fun figuring mm-hmm. out what we had just sort of uncovered. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like with Criterion and everything, I'm I'm looking even more forward to yeah, yeah. just the array of of movies that we're watching. I feel like we're, we're finding a lot of old gems. As opposed yeah. to having to watch the newest thing. Yeah. Um, um, and I would love to just even do those as reviews some like more like I yep. love when we do that. Like yeah. possession, that was super fun. Yeah. Uh and and they even say, or maybe more than once a year. Yeah. Anyway, settle an argument for my wife and I. Is there comic book movie fatigue? Is it a full official genre now? And can a genre have too many movies? Also, do you think James Gunn will be the savior of the DC film universe, or is there no hope there? I have a strong uh, opening opinion on this, which is just I understand comic book movie fatigue. I get that. Mm -hmm. I I get, especially if you're not into that genre, you'd get tired of these numerous releases. Um, What's interesting to me is, to me, it is a full official genre. And I would never just comic books in general as a just that's comic a, book movies. That's a yeah, genre, it's, yeah, it's its own genre. I feel like that has been for a long time. Uh, now and yeah, I point. agree. But I I would never sit there and think, you know what? They make too many westerns. I'm tired of westerns. They need to stop making westerns. You know what? There's just too many rom coms. I don't like rom coms. They need to stop making rom coms. I think the first two statements totally valid. I think there's too many rom coms. I don't want to watch more rom coms. But then stop there and let capitalism do its thing. Uh, If there's too many comic book movies, it will pan out in the box office. And if you are tired of them, take a cue from Clint and stop watching comic book movies. I I think that's a a particularly um, viral internet idea, which is I don't like this thing. I'm tired of this thing. It should go away. And and just just don't watch that thing, you know. Yeah. If if you think there's too many horror movies, don't watch as many horror movies. My but, only disagreement with that is okay. when you're only being offered comic book movies, a very that, specific kind. You mean of of comic book movie? There, or, it's saturated with comic book movies, and to the point where all the money is going to comic book movies, and then gotcha. you're not left with any other options. That's fatiguing to me. Which really is more than comic book movies. That's like that blockbuster genre. It's comic book movies. It's the Fast and Furious franchise. It's it's but those which those big, are comic book movies basically too. Totally, they're not based on a comic book source, but they're a hundred percent in the style of Avatar. Uh, I am so sick of James Cameron uh, over-articulating the importance of these movies. They're comic book movies. Yeah. When they, he's down on comic book movies. Yes. They're, they're, they're not based on a comic book, 
But if you were just if you just showed me Avatar and you were just like, what is this based on? I'd a hundred percent be like some yeah, yeah. graphic novel or collected comic book somewhere. Yeah. But that's where my frustration with okay. it lies when like there's man, there's so many other cool genres and like there's small directors who probably have these amazing stories that are getting sidelined because all the money is being put into these giant projects and and then it's or they're being buried on these streaming services yeah. and not given well oh, amber alert oh okay um, um yeah we're podcasting can somebody <laughs> not get kidnapped right now Ugh, geez uh professionals here trying shh, to shh, no, shut up shut, shut up, up back there shut up your kidnapping oh geez clint don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad this isn't live just have the fbi at our house on that one kicking the kid yeah yeah um so Take that's what you're told. <laughs> Eat just the listen, soft pretzel. Listen to daddy talk about movies. <laughs> awful. I'm so sorry if I'm, you've been affected by this in your yeah, personal life. Go I on, Clint. Sorry. Um, so my point is like things getting buried and not given the um, resources that maybe would have made them more, um, I don't know, seen. Like that's what's yeah. frustrating to me about that, it all. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Are you excited about James Gunn? In DC films, do you think he's going to bring a different flavor enough to kind of reinvigorate some things? Or because the DC movies right now are a mess. Um, um, well, I will say the only ones that I've semi enjoyed are like his a uh, Suicide Squad mm-hmm. and the and his um series. What was that called that um he had on HBO Max based on the Suicide? Oh, Squad. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Yeah. Um, those are the only ones I've actually kind of enjoyed. So if somehow he can like infuse it yeah. all with his sensibility and like, you know, maneuver that ship on course, um, I could I could maybe see enjoying them more. But man, that's uh, going to be a hard thing to turn around. I yeah. don't know. I, I think the biggest thing I'm excited about with him is I feel like he is... Uh, in a place where he's savvy enough to know what Marvel's doing and what their vibe is. For sure. And yeah. I feel like he will be more adventurous to try things that Marvel is not currently doing. Yeah. And so so I think he'll inject some uniqueness into the mix. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, some of his talk of of using horror characters and and doing more with genre and filmmaker voice. Uh, that's interesting to me. Well, especially when in Marvel, he was one, like the things that he did for them were the more adventurous yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting if he was pushing it in that direction. I, I just, I'm I'm not confident in the relationship that Warner Brothers brings to the table. No. <laughs> because Warner, uh, other than when they have forged very specific relationships and i'm talking about stanley kubrick and christopher nolan i just i haven't seen warner as the studio that is willing to take large budget risks yeah and uh he seems like somebody that is and so it's great on paper uh i like that he and uh peter saffron uh i think Mm. is the other guy i like that they're doing this i just it just feels like one of those things based on Warner that if the first movie or two tank, mm-hmm. I feel like it's all going to unravel and they're going to pull plugs every which way mm-hmm. and, it, you know, reset and try something again. I I don't feel like they have the long term or, you know, the long game strategy uh, where they're going to have the boldness to stick with 
whatever horse they've bet on. Right. Uh, so well, I'm worried about that. Isn't it Warner Brothers is owned by the same like Discovery now too, yeah, right? It's, it's all and, one giant. And at some point, it's probably gonna get sold again. Yeah. And then like who knows what they'll do? They'll come in and yeah. fire them and put their own people in. Yeah. So I. I I'm really looking forward. I'm not looking, really looking forward to, but I'm curious to see if they can write the ship at all. Yeah. But at the same time, like it, all of that could just burn down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. hundred uh, percent. Randall X 49. I love that. It sounds like he's from the future. Randall X 49. Uh, or he's from... like a piece of workout gear or something. <laughs> yeah. I like, I it. like that. He didn't, I assume his real name is Randall, but the X 49, that was just part of his username. I just, I love it. Uh, Randall X 49 from South Carolina says totally missed the trailer trailer. Would love to see more of those segments more frequently. So I'm going to try to force it. Recent trailers, The Flash, Renfield, Indy 5, Guardians 3, The New Evil Dead. Uh, what are you guys excited about that's coming up? Uh, we've been meaning to do that. We're sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, just just a little behind the curtain. It takes a lot of prep. And Clint and I both have full-time jobs. We just <laughs> honestly do this for fun. And, um, you know, for those of you who are listening, and, and we grow a little bit here and there. But it's, it's one of those things where those segments... Uh, Clint is not one that we can just do a segment. Clint's got to do sound effects and make music. And I try to stop I want to do but... more of that stuff. Yeah, and also, yeah. trailer trailer is difficult because I feel like since we're only doing this every other week, yeah. like, like a whole week or two have already passed by yeah. the time a trailer's been out. So yeah. then it's like... Is it worth talking about? Because it's been already like out there yeah. and everyone's sick. I don't know. Maybe we should just forget about that and just do it. Maybe. Um, I don't know. So so wh what's what's new and exciting that, that you're looking forward to? The Evil Dead I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. um, it's a weird take on it. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of almost the uh, the the raid style in a in a high rise, uh, uh -huh. you know, chaos erupting sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you, you say one, I'm, I have uh, one I wanted to talk about. But. Renfield, uh, with, um, yeah. a Nicholas Cage, the little vampire one, I, great trailer. If, if the movie for two hours can really, uh, maintain that tone and that comedy, I'll love it. But I also worry it's one of those things where the trailer is kind of the best bits and the, the, that yeah. works as a two minute short format, but over the course of an entire movie, uh, you know, is it just going to be really action oriented or, or whatever? But, you know, I'm up for it. Indiana Jones, I'm glad they're making one because I really need the last thing on my mind of Indiana Jones to not be Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> but I am not, honestly, I'm not excited about it because I was so burned by Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. I just, I, I'm 100% going to see it. Yeah. I really hope it's good. But I am I am not opening my heart to that franchise until about a half an hour into this movie. It's it's really gotta. <sighs> I know it's gonna take a lot. Yeah, and it's just like at this point, I'm like, how could it be good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that, that that skepticism is definitely. I, there. And I don't, and I want that to be proven wrong, but yeah. uh, that's just how I feel right now. Yeah. Um, can I ask you? Are you actually excited about Cocaine Bear? I. I <laughs> So it's I'm such not. a great title. I the nothing about it is exciting me except for the idea of like somebody made this 
And and I love that somebody made this. And I love that this sort of thing can still get a theatrical release. Do I think it's going to be any good? I got burned by Violent Night. I, it, you know, and it wasn't even like I was excited about that. I just thought I would have a good time at the movies. Yeah. And, it, you know, it just, it really let me down. So I'm not actually excited about Cocaine Bear. I am excited about seeing a movie in theaters called Cocaine Bear. Okay. Let me know how that goes. I, I will. I will. I may end up at Knock of the Cabin again. But, you might, yeah. You know. You're in this like time loop <laughs> yeah. that you cannot escape and it's yeah. just that movie. Yeah. The one thing that I am really excited about and like I'm going to be marking the date is Ari Aster's new movie. Oh, what is? Um, Bew oh, is yeah, Afraid. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I keep forgetting that's from him. Um, I'm so stoked on that. I yeah. love Ari Aster's films, and I love that this one kind of feels different in like yeah. this weird dark fairy tale of sorts, and, it's, and it looks kind of outside of the realm of what he's done before. Almost feels like a really dark um, Spike Jones yeah. film. And man, I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing that I've been um, really keeping in mind to watch. Yeah, I for me it's it's hard because it I've gotten used to the game so much. It's it's easy to spot when a trailer is a good trailer, and I'm not saying the movie is not going to be good, but like the Flash trailer genuinely looks like they're making a good Flash movie, uh, multiverse movie. It's got the '89 Batman with Michael Keaton. But at the same time, it has all the elements of a trailer that is just hyping you up to see a movie yep. that's not going to deliver on the level that trailer delivers for two minutes. And and it just starts to feel very artificial and like a like a guy sitting in a white van offering you candy bar, little kid. Like, mm, doesn't this candy bar look good? Get in this van. Who is sitting there listening to a classic rock song that has been redone by an orchestra? <laughs> I'm let me. I'm gonna. I've said oh, this man. before. Clint's getting animated. You this guys. is my old man rant for the day. Okay, I cannot i am so sick everybody's doing this yeah. at this point and this i think it started with guardians of the galaxy but that one it makes sense for yes honestly it makes, that's the tone of the movie that's how he uses songs it makes sense in that and it was like kind of like novel at the yeah. time because yeah. nobody has done that but every single movie yeah. now has like a classic rock song um you know like elton john or something redone yeah covered by Co some modern artists doing it in a weird well, and sing or it's, way. it's the original version but it's being like there's a whole bunch of additional backing tracks yeah. by an orchestra that's yeah. making it more hyped up and unnecessary that yeah. like I am so sick of it, and I cannot wait. It's the yeah. same thing with the um, Christopher Nolan that whoa, bass drop sound. Yeah. Man, I can't wait till this bass drop Buh. sound. Yeah, it just stops. Buh. Like I'm so sick because it, it is effective. Yeah, it, it, like it's effective in doses, but when it's every trailer, yes. But you notice, you yeah. like realize it's effective, and then you remember, like, oh, it's that thing, yeah. and then it's, um, man, I, I, I can see clearly, clearly through it at that point. Well, maybe just, that's ugh. something that would make trailer, trailer a little more interesting uh, to us, at least, is <laughs> if we were more dissecting trailer trends and how a trailer works, yeah. and that's like true. what makes a good trailer versus a bad trailer, and then had examples, but that that might be more that would definitely be more my speed rather than just talking about like, hey, there's a new Guardians trailer. What'd you think, Clint? Woo, she's got a new arm. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, I like that idea. Okay. Um, well, it might, we'll might be to... a little bit of A and B, um, yeah. but yeah. I like that idea of kind of diving into it a little bit deeper. Okay. Uh, Sarah from Nashville says, like Ken, I'm always trying to dissect the logic puzzle that is my pod crush Clint. And <laughs> you know what I never get? Ever, Clint. Never does a message come through where people <laughs> rave about me like they rave about you. You are like literally uh, this this woman has called you her pod crush. Anyway, uh, I'm always trying to dissect the logic puzzle that is my pod crush, Clint. Ken strikes me as someone who is a narrative first, subversion later kind of person. But Clint, you seem to really respond to subversion and uniqueness in filmmaking techniques first, and the narrative and whatnot can be on the sidelines. I think I get what separates your two tastes. I guess my question is, what movies do you think were instrumental in forming each of your approaches to film? What made each of you the separate but equally passionate film fanatics you became? Um, mine's really easy. My dad used to work down the road. And anytime he went away, I, I now realize what my mom was doing. My mom didn't want me to feel like I was missing out on my dad. And so anytime he would go down the road to work, she would make a movie night of it. And mm. she would make tacos. And we would go to the video store and rent all kinds of movies. And so at a, at a very young age, it became something where there was a comfort to watching movies and an excitement that I was looking forward to. And it wasn't about whether a movie was good or bad. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, I wish I could go back to that. I wish I could go back to the time where it was just a stack of movies and let's see what works. Um, but but it was a very emotionally driven thing where it was just cool time with my mom. And, and instead of like, oh, I'm sad my dad's down the road for three days, it was, Can oh, that man, be a segment in the show now? What? Cool time with my mom. <laughs> Like, hey, Clinton, I here with tacos. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, but, but so, so the reason it, I think mine developed where it was very narrative driven is because it, it, that's how my mom was. And so she was my first, the first person that I would sit around and talk movies with. Mm -hmm. And then later on with my friend group, it was in the 90s, right when, I mean, let's be honest about the 90s. The 90s is a narrative driven. Uh, film age. Yeah. Not a lot of, of really unique um, kind of uh, experimental films and things like that, at least not in this country. So everything that, that, you know, I grew up with and that, that meant something to me was narratively driven where the conversation that would happen afterwards would be about story and characters. And then really the, the film part of it came from how effective did they make those things? How, how was the delivery or the execution? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where my brain formed all that. Mm -hmm. So absolutely right. My pod crush, Clint, uh, you're, you're an enigma. Um, <laughs> Because unless you had a really weird mom that just showed you like avant-garde uh, criterion films, you're like, no. how did you come about to where you you so value films that come at things sideways first? I will say it was the exact opposite because growing up, I grew up in a very religious Christian home mm -hmm. and I wasn't allowed to watch like anything. Mm. And it was very few things that got through. It always had to be, you know, PG, PG-13, 
Um, and then at some point, once I became, my parents were very strict about that, like R rating thing. Yeah. I was old enough to watch films. I kind of went nuts, especially with the help of you, who, when we became friends, you just started handing me stuff. Oh, I'd give you entire piles of movies, like, like watch these. Yes, exactly. Like, and so these. I started, like, I would get the, the, um, education of what you're talking about, like these story driven things. And then I just was wanting more. And I, and I'm always wanting like things that are pushing the art form. Yeah. It's like, and like I went to art school and stuff and yeah. like, and it's just and like, even things if that not, you're an artist at heart. You're not yeah, even yeah. like, every time you say that, I, I worry somebody pictures like the, the pretentious art student. You are not that human at all. You have yeah. a genuine uh, appreciation for expression and the uniqueness of expression. Yeah. And, but I also like the idea of just pushing the thing yeah. as far as it can go till it breaks and exp exploration yeah. and the, the movies, the films that do that, um, even if they're not successful, I admire them for that. And that's what I'm always kind of looking for. Like, I, I, I really appreciate a film that can narratively really get across what it's trying to do and character wise. But if they can also somehow be pushing the, the genre or the, the, um, the filmmaking or whatever into another area that we haven't thought about, um, man, that's where it really lines up for me. Yeah. And, I I will say like like when we were talking about um, primal and um, how just like the lack of dialogue and the use the the one thing that I can think back to that I always think back about like when I was a little kid my um, grandmother would always give me like kind of like art house animation films like Wall mm -hmm. Wallace and Gromit or mm -hmm. um, things like that and things that were not your traditional Disney right. Yeah. And I, I can't remember if it was her or like my parents. They got me this movie. Have you ever watched this movie called The Snowman? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I was really young. Yeah. And I feel like when being that young and being introduced to that movie, that movie has no dialogue. It's yeah. all visually told. Yeah. And I feel like that stuck with me. Huh. And something that can tell a story narratively and like made me, like when I'm a little kid, a little boy, yeah. and it made me feel something through the lack of dialogue and just visuals, I, I always kind of think back about that and like wonder why I am so drawn to things like that. And yeah. I think that might be the point. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I just want, always like the idea of really exploring things. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing. And and that's the, especially to to young film fans or to, to my son or his friends, it's, it's always like, go with what you like. Don't just stop at, uh, I like the Fast and Furious franchise. Fine. But what else are you watching? If all you ever watch, and this is just life rule, if all you ever do is in the same wheelhouse as the thing you like, it, right. you know, you're you're never, and that's fine. You're if, if you don't, but you're stagnant <laughs> and like, cool, enjoy what you enjoy. But there's such a joy to finding new things. Yeah. And, and it's like, how do you know? If you're going to really love film until you've really sampled film, mm -hmm. if all you watch are the blockbusters and you're not really a big movie person, maybe it's just because that's all you've watched. And there's there could be an entire genre of just, you know, hours of these incredible films that you don't have access to because you never know how well your brain will just 
enjoy them. Well, even if you just like the blockbusters, like a good starting point there is like, say you like James Cameron, like you like the Avatar films, go watch all of James Cameron films and you'll get back to his starting point and you'll find something like that he, what he was passionate about at that yeah. age and something new there, because then you can jump off from there yeah. and like, oh, he did. What inspired right, him. Like he yeah. did, okay, Terminator. Okay, what else was happening around this time point that like he was influenced by? And then you'll find like, um, oh, um, oh, I can't think of somebody off the top of my head, but some like the Alien franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And you can go through Ridley Scott's, fran- like all his stuff. And, and then you- find out what they end inspired. Yes. Like who took that ball and did new and inventive things yes, with and, it after. And that. you're still kind of in the blockbuster realm, but sure. like you're you can like work your way back yeah. through to like these other directors and other filmmakers yeah. um that are doing like really interesting things. And it's it's almost kind of an education because honestly, if you went back and took 18-year-old me and showed me the movies that I love today, yeah. I I don't know if I would have been ready to appreciate them. Mm-hmm. I I it, there's there's a certain level of not not in a pretentious way. There's just a certain level of of knowledge and and experience you build with art that helps you to appreciate things in a different way. Yeah. Um. You know, and that's that's why if if you've ever gone back and watched a movie and you're just like, oh my goodness, what did I see in this? It's probably not. That it's just dated. It's probably that, wow, my kid brain really thought this was the pinnacle of cinema. And <laughs> it's it's good, but, it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Willis and Heather say, Marvel fans from the bayou, sorry. Uh, Clint, you can take a vape break. Yeah. Thank Clint you. is a, a big vaper. I'm vaping over here. Uh, blowing mad clouds. Yeah. Ken, how was Quantum Mania? Was it as bad as critics are saying? No offense, Clint, assuming you sat out opening week. Did you um, get to see it? I did. Okay. <laughs> I did. Uh, I uh, probably, I have so many thoughts on it. Honestly, uh, I might just record a little mini episode and just throw it up online. Uh, I will say I liked it way more than critics did. Mm-hmm. I'm much more in the audience block, but I, I'm pretty sure uh, Clint would not have had the good time that I had with it. Um, can I ask you this? You can. Is this going to be one of those scenarios where then you go back to it in a month when it's streaming and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I am going to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, but but I don't think so. This one, uh, it really has a great Jonathan Majors performance as Kang. Yeah. I loved all that stuff. It gets a little wonky when they bring in MODOK. Uh, and especially after the Modoc animated series, uh-huh. which really nailed so much fun with that character, I'm I'm happy they went kind of silly with it because it, it's just a silly idea, and they didn't try to over serious it. Um, but I just I I had a good time with this movie, and yeah. but but I approached it much more from the this is the third Ant Man movie, and it's it's not like Ant Man one and Ant Man two were high cinema or you know the the. Uh, the be all end all of comic book films. They're they're just kind of fun, and they're they're these funny little adventures with literally a guy that communicates with ants and mm-hmm. shrinks real small. And so, you know, when I'm reading different reviews uh, where people are complaining about it, it's just kind of like I, I don't think you just wanted to see an Ant Man movie. You know, an, an Ant Man movie is just never going to be whatever. You- 
So you think it was kind of the fault of the marketing on that though, because they kind of tried to build it up that this was beyond just being an Ant Man movie. Yeah, and that was unfortunate. It is much bigger, yeah. and it, it does you know lay some seeds for future Marvel stuff, but not in a way where it's at the detriment of the film. Uh huh. It's it's they did a really good job, I think, of making those seeds important to this film and to the future. Okay. And so they hit this sweet spot for me where it's like, okay, see what you're doing. You're setting up future movies, but you're also not f- setting up future movies at the detriment of this movie currently but yeah yeah, i want to watch it again and and we'll see i will say like the other two ant-man movies are kind of some of my favorite ones so so i'm gonna watch it probably when it's you know streaming um but i've just been so burned by the last few that i've seen that i'm just not excited it's definitely better than than love and thunder it is not as uh hyper serious as wakanda forever it definitely has some fun and it's just it's weird and it doesn't care that it's weird or feel like it needs to explain that it's weird. It just has lots of kind of Guardians of the Galaxy touches. Okay. And I'm actually kind of surprised that that people didn't enjoy it more hmm. from just a, a Guardians type of yeah. of of aspect. So I I don't know. Uh, Mikey T from California says, and or in The Last of Us, two shows enter, only one show may leave. Declare the superior sci-fi drama. Side note. Had a hard time with Andor. Respect all of the seriousness it brought to Star Wars as well as the sophistication, but had a hard time with the last stretch of episodes because it all felt a little convenient and contrived. A bit too much of the force bringing everyone together in the right place at the right time. I'm enjoying Last of Us as well. Respect its video game adaptation bag, but doesn't it feel a bit too video gamey at times without enough video game action to accurately represent its source? Um... So I am it, – it's hard to compare Andor, which has a completed first season, to The Last of Us. I will say The Last of Us is packing more of an emotional punch for me hmm. week to week. It, it's got some pretty deep gut punches. Um, Andor, I think, is working with a source material that that makes it much more impressive that it's doing with Star Wars what it's doing. Right. Whereas with Last of Us, it it already has – an incredible video game story there to pull from. They're really just trimming off, uh, you know, the the gameplay and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I I don't know. Just some things, I guess, don't work for people. And especially if uh, I wonder what it would have been like to binge Andor. I'm wondering if if Mike Mikey did that or did you watch Andor from week to week where it had time to to really marinate or was it something where you just you know were really taking it all in at once what do you think Clint I would say I kind of have a hard time comparing the two because they're yeah. such kind of different universes I don't know I think right now just because of of like seeing the completion of Andor and everything I think Andor would win out a little bit yeah um but I am man, I'm so impressed by The Last of Us. Yeah. I, I every episode is continuing that emotional like gut punch to it. And I feel like it's doing it in different ways. Yes, in different it, ways. It doesn't feel like a repetition. No, no. And and like when we were we talked about it only one time so far. Um we were what three episodes in. Yeah. And um or four. And I and we were talking about that 
the was the third episode that the um with um what's his name um Nick Offerman Nick Offerman's yeah. that storyline Bill and, and how, Frank Bill and Frank and how impressed we were with that but I feel like now it's finally like settled into the kind of emotional arc of yeah. uh, of our main characters and um, I'm so impressed by that and also I like the subtle video gaminess of it. Yeah. When they, because they they work it in very naturally, and but like I think it's just that we're so familiar with the games that yeah. we can see it. I don't think somebody who maybe hasn't played would notice yeah. it as much. It, it feels very organic, and and even the idea of you know if if they're going to bring in video game elements, where's the action? I, I get that, especially if somebody wants you know more action oriented stuff. But for me, that's where the game gets to still exist. Yeah. Like if you enjoy those bursts of action with this story and these characters, those games are still there. Yeah. Like you can that's that's one of the the cool things about uh streaming media, the fact that you can just pull up any video game and download it. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to find a copy or or have it on your shelf or something like that. So that that still exists. I think if it was such a straight adaptation that it just did what the game does and puts it on screen. Yeah, it might work for non-game fans, but as a game fan of that game series, why would I care to, you know, sit week after week and watch that when I already watched it and played it? And I, I appreciate that there's there's a, a different spin to it that's valuing what a series needs to be versus what a video game needs to be. Well, I also think that the there has been a lot of action in it that mm. it was the, the, at the points where it's necessary and it feels um and it feels very in those moments very close to the game like it's yeah. it's satis- satisfying that um, um side of it for me personally yeah um yeah I, I, what was it was it another part to that question no it was just which one would you pick and then uh, you know it was more just a you know, it, it was kind of a help me understand question, it feels like, where he he enjoys both series, but I don't think he enjoyed them to the level that, you know, that matches our, our rave about these experiences. But yeah. I'm, I'm coming to them wanting something different. What did I, he say about Andor again? Uh, Andor, respect all the seriousness it brought to Star Wars as well as the sophistication, but had a hard time with the last stretch of episodes because it all felt a little convenient and contrived. He's probably – because I've I've read that too. It's, it's the idea of everybody comes together in one place and that's where this thing sort of erupts, um, you know, and, and all the storylines come together. For me, that's – it's just storytelling. Like at well, some point you have to have these connective elements. I think we talked about it too in that like I feel like they did such a really good natural job at the beginning setting it up that this is a, this is a small knit community. Yeah. That it made sense to me that they come back to this yeah. place for this event of this funeral. Yeah. Like it uh, for me that worked really um well and fluidly. Uh, I I bought into that pretty well. Yeah. Um it never felt forcey. Like the force yeah. was like drawing them back to this situation. I don't know. Yeah. Th- for that for that aspect of it it worked for me. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, Camille from Westchester, New York says, hey, gents, have a blast with the pod each week. I feel like I'm sitting in your living room and chatting up old friends. Keep up the Lord's work. Thank you, Camille. <laughs> uh, my question is, how do you choose which films to watch each week? And how do you have so much time to watch so many things? You're like Buddhist monk film nerds who live high atop a mountain and do nothing but eat morsels delivered by birds, <laughs> watch movies and TV, and sleep for three hours a night to maximize screen time. Would like to learn such tantric devotion to the craft. Made me think of another question, actually. Do you ever get tired of watching things? Does it ever get old? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of in that place, well, recently, especially after my five days of laying on the couch yeah. watching, because I, I just had no energy to do anything. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I should not watch anything for a while. I can tell when I've been watching too yeah. much stuff because I'll sit there and just flip through menu after menu yeah, after yeah, menu, yeah. and nothing is really grabbing me. And that's back when I reviewed at Blu-ray.com, that was a problem because... I would have a stack of movies and I would have all these deadlines and I just got really tired of watching movies. I got kind of burnt out on it yeah. and lost some of that joy. And I'm I'm very careful now when I start to feel that way just to step away for a while yeah, uh, and not just watch something to watch something. That's what's been cool about going back and watching things like Possession or The Blob or, yeah. or you know, I, I keep using those as, as examples. But it's cool just to go back and discover something that, you know, you've read about where – you're not trying to figure out if it's good or not. You've already got plenty of people who say, hey, this is something to watch. And so now you're just going and experiencing it. That has uh, been pretty refreshing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, especially if I'm just watching new movies and series, yeah. it gets very samey. That criterion, like, I, and I know we keep talking about yeah. that, or like you could do it with like movie or something yeah. too. Man, that really helps me where, especially where it's curated like that. Yeah. And I can like have a little faith that there's something worth investing my yeah. hour and a half, two hours in. Um, that helps me to kind of reset and find yeah. some new avenues of films to go down. Yeah. Um, I will say it's probably a little easier for me. I have no kids. Uh, can you have an older kid so yeah. you, that you don't He's have He's 18 to, now. I don't yeah. need to spend time with him anymore. Yeah. I built that boat. It's sailing. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm a unique case a, a little bit because I can I have a lot yeah. of free time for a person my age. <laughs> for me, it's it's stress relief and just like at night once everybody yeah. goes to bed, that's that's my time just to do what I want. That's yeah, I do and too. I I end up watching just stuff and um uh, yeah, it's kind of my detox from the day. I wonder also, I'm maybe, maybe this is just to make myself feel better <laughs> since that we are only recording every other week. There's mm. two weeks of yeah. time in between. So it might yeah. sound like a whole lot, but it's really like I watch a movie every night or one, maybe yeah. one every night, maybe every couple nights I'll watch one. So by the time we yeah. get to record again, I have a stack of things. Well, and especially since we do what you're watching and we alternate, yeah. like we can talk about, right. you know, eight movies at the beginning, but we've actually only watched, you know, four. Yeah. Uh, maybe. And even then, some of them are things that we've revisited or maybe it was from a different week. It's just right. now we, we have time to right. talk about it. might have been from it. a month ago and now I just remembered about yeah. it. I have I have two friends that, that listen to the pod and, and they're just like, I, you know, I think they're 10, 15 episodes behind because to them that's current because that's where they can watch the stuff as it comes out. Yeah. Um, you know, because we just we sort of run around and watch things as they hit sometimes and. You know, we're not we're not normal people. 
No, and I think we're just slightly obsessed with movies. Yeah, this is my thing. It yeah. just it always has been. It's it's the thing that this is just um I I don't know. It it is both my stress relief and my my fascination and it's it's my art. It's my you know, uh, not content and cons- as a consumer, but just like this is what I have devoted time to because it it makes me feel hmm. and lets me you know figure out the world and life and topics and things like that. I I process a lot of that through movies. Yeah, I do um, it through music too, but I listen to music all day or like at, while I'm at work and stuff. So well, and it's easier to listen to music, I yeah. think, without sitting down and devoting time to. Yeah, it. you, it's yeah. Um, what, what we're trying to say is we're broken. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We're broken, flawed humans, and there's something wrong with us. And if they create a medication for it, we should definitely take it. Yes, uh, Jason from Utah, and this is my absolute favorite one, not because of the message, but Jason from Utah, very seriously in parentheses, writes, not a Mormon. <laughs> and I guess no judgment. Uh, poor Jason just is tired of people assuming that everybody in Utah is a Mormon because it's, it's literally Jason from Utah, not a Mormon. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, I, I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> and every time I read it, Jason from Utah, not a Mormon, not a haha, not an LOL, just like literally. I'm just going to be straight up here. Please inform people that people from Utah are not always Mormon. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, not a Mormon. Dying to know why no Twitter, YouTube channel, TikTok. Got to spread those wings and fly, gentlemen. Love the pod so much. Just want more content in more places. Any hope for future platform diversity? Uh, I'm going to just jump out here and answer on behalf of Clint as well, <laughs> the term uh, future platform diversity is <laughs> terrifying to us. The fact that we have an Instagram account was almost a lark. And the only reason, honestly, that I keep up with Instagram is to occasionally add a podcast listener because it's just, the, it's, it's, I, I hate all of this stuff. Uh, the idea of, sitting down and finding time to create a YouTube channel where I just put images to what we're saying, it is terrifying to me. And if somebody ever came to us and they were just like, hey, I want to run a Twitter for you and I want to make a YouTube channel from your episodes and and we trusted them, man, I'd be like, have at. You enjoy, but I, it is not my thing. I had a friend recently like like asking about a YouTube channel, like, yeah. have you thought about doing video? Yeah. And I was like, there's no possible way in hell I will ever do a video of me. <laughs> oh, like actually of yeah. us talking? No. I was like, there's no, no way. No. Like, this is enough. Like, I, I said, already overthink everything oh, that comes out of my too. mouth. And I'm I'm finally at the point where I'm fine listening to my voice yeah. for hours while I'm editing. Yeah. That like, there's no way I would watch yeah. myself and do that. Um, Man, I, this is what I want. This is, I want, this is the community right here. This is, I like this. Like yeah. we're, we're answering your questions and maybe, and you can answer questions on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. And like, I would also ask anyone out there who is willing to please, it's going to be hard for me too. Oh man, Clint's having a moment. Rate and review. Oh 
just like give us a nice review, some yeah. nice words, and that will really help to get this thing out there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's hard for me to say. Yeah. Like, I don't like trying to ask for things. Yeah. But like, if anybody is well, like fans out there on yeah. your whatever platform you're listening to this, just like yeah. give us a nice, some nice words, give us a thumbs up, yeah. five thumbs up, like I said earlier, yeah. uh, just a bag and full of thumbs up. Somebody's, somebody's putting us somewhere and talking about somewhere because our listenings or our listenings, our listens have gone. <laughs> up uh, pretty significantly recently uh we have a bunch more followers on soundcloud now and there's there's different things but the way the algorithms work they care if people are following if people are writing reviews and if people are listening so it i just i have no interest this is not a job we make no money on this it's just yeah, something there's no we do. advertising if you can hear that no like and so and and i just do not have the time or or the want uh, to have that you know if if suddenly criterion called us up and said hey we want to give you you know x amount of money to plug criterion every once in a while sure sure <laughs> but we're just we're not that podcast you know we're we're kind of homegrown and um uh you know love the love the people that are out there that have found us and i'm perfectly happy just continuing to watch movies with my friend clint and you know, talking about it, we would be having, I think that's another key thing. Uh, we would be having this almost exact conversation just over dinner. And that's, yeah. that's why we started the podcast because we were already doing this in my living room or out at dinner. And it just became a thing. We're like, why aren't we just recording this and seeing what happens? You want to hear a sad thing? Uh, a a yes. sad thing is that we're going to stop doing this podcast soon. And then the rest of the night, we'll probably sit and talk about yep. movies for another three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, we do that all the time um, because our, our lives are just not that interesting. Uh, the most interesting thing in both of our lives is our wives. Like we'll talk about what our wives are up to and our wives have, uh, you know, these interesting things outside of of movies and jobs. But um, you know, pretty much it's just, I, I think in movies, I dream in movies, I talk in movies. It just, it's always been, it always will be. And if I try to talk to Ken about my modular synth synthesizers, that conversation will die flat. So I, I listen and nod. I'm very <laughs> happy to, um, pander. Uh, I, I think I don't get enough credit. Uh, those of you who have pod crushes on Clint, I don't get enough credit for how much I pander to this guy <laughs> and really just make him the crush-worthy object of your affection. That That's me. You're the best that's, panderer in the business. I'm the best panderer in the business. I, I honestly... I did that. I'm his Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> didn't think that one through. Um, I honestly <laughs> really like doing this. Yeah, like the, yeah. uh, the um, questions and answers yeah. thing. So just... Continue to write in yeah. and like, we'll continue to do this. We'll do it more frequently if you yeah. keep sending them and because yeah. this is really fun. Definitely. Um, Especially I really like, uh, like some of these and, and they probably could have been more detailed. Feel free to be more detailed. I love the idea of somebody writing in like, hey, I don't get this movie. Help me understand this. Or why do you guys like this? Or uh, like disagree with us and and be a part of that conversation. That's that's gold to me. I love that stuff. Because this is solely um, our opinion. Of oh, just yeah. like that. We don't think we're not even trying to rate these. It's just like, no. uh, this made me feel this way. Yeah. And, and um, we uh, it was it was so funny because on Instagram, I did a uh, top 10 movies that demand and reward patience. Yeah. I just put 10 movies that really 
do that for me. And most recently, we talked about Skinamarink, mm-hmm. and I put Skinamarink in there. And the the few responses were hilarious to me because it was, if Skinamarink can be on this list, I can too. <laughs> and stuff like that. And it was just people that that were like, love this list, but Skinamarink? Heck no. The one guy was just like, you know, I, I could point a, a camera at a wall for two hours and call it a horror movie. Um, you know, that stuff is really cool to me because we even talked about I, I could totally understand somebody seeing that perspective. And both those people, I'm like, I, I hear you. I was there for a half an hour. Uh, you know, go listen to our episode. See if maybe there's something there that that uh, that you didn't see because it really turned it around for me. And, and Clint made a pretty compelling case. Uh, as to why there's there's so much more there than you would think at first. So I, I just I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing I don't love is uh, when somebody is adamant that their way of watching movies or their the movies that they like is the right way to watch movies and the right movies to like. That drives me insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we say that all the time. If if you love keep saying fast and furious because it's just there was this fast and furious 10 trailer which i swear has 72 plot lines based on the trailer <laughs> wouldn't it have to at this point there's oh, so yeah. many characters 100 they just keep throwing more actors into yeah. it there's new actors and old actors and anyway if that's your thing man enjoy it mm-hmm. you just love it all we're suggesting is uh maybe expand your horizons and try some other stuff too Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy what you enjoy. I still love God Help Me Navy Seals from back in the as either the early '90s or late '80s, uh-huh. and I recognize objectively this is a bad film. Yeah, but Charlie Sheen and Michael Bean saving hostages and <laughs> man, I'm all over that movie. Um, you know, love what you love. That's yeah. what I'm saying. All right. Well, we have other questions, but I know I am out of time. And so uh, we'll uh, we'll save some of these for next episode. And I know I've said this like 80 times, but I'm really going to try to uh, start doing this more often uh, where, you know, just adding in different things. Uh, and maybe if you write in with suggestions as to older movies that we've missed that we might enjoy, then not only can we throw your question in there, but we can review a movie and watch a movie and discover a movie. Uh, that that you turned us on to, or if you want us to add a movie to the Cenotron wheel, yeah, we yeah, can add it to for that sure. for sure. Like even if it's a horrible, like something that you're just like, yeah. This is Clint. <laughs> Clint sent me this thing the other day of something oh, he wants to add on I, to the Cenotron <laughs> wheel, and I'm just oh dear lord, please no, Clint. I, I believe me, I'm not going to, but I had the impulse. Okay. Because I, I really do stick to that and watch whatever you make me watch. I know. So. And I appreciate you yeah. for And that. it is, for anybody who doesn't know, it is genuinely a randomizer. Uh, we we actually do spend a... It's a giant a, CPU in the corner that we talk... <laughs> we need to talk to Cinetron. We do. I, I miss him. Uh, but but it's, it's genuinely a we don't know what's going to come up and we, we stick with it. Um, yeah. No matter what it is. So anyway, uh, thanks very much for those who who wrote in. Keep those comments coming. Uh, as always, you can contact us at contact at cinebabblecast.com. You can find us online at, at cinebabblecast.com. And you can find us on Instagram at cinebabble. Um, I'm know. so happy I finally got the art to update onto the it, Apple. Seriously. I on, had to write them. Really? It wasn't me doing anything so wrong. It was just them having to like refresh something. It was just stuck. Yeah. 
Man, yeah, so hey, frustrating. Side note, did you know they still do electroshock therapy on people? Like the full thing where they put it on your temples <sighs> and like, like zap your brain? That. That's still a thing. It's it's an effective treatment for schizophrenia yeah. and all this stuff to provide relief. Uh, but literally, just like a computer, when you turn it off and back on. And reboot button? That's what it's doing because your brain gets stuck in, or that's what they think is happening. Your brain gets stuck in these problems that just continue to pile up in your cash, I guess. And just you go kind of crazy. And what the electroshock actually does, layman's understanding here, but I went down an internet rabbit hole. <laughs> layman's terms, what it does is it just reboots your brain so that it goes to zero and starts all over again. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have those problems overloading it. Uh, super medieval to me. Yeah, doesn't really it sound like blew me away? But it sound like a, a remnant of like lobotomy yeah, that's just yeah, still happening. 100%. That uh, well, and I I listened to another um, podcast duo, and they had just talked about blasphemy. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> giving other people listens. Uh, but they had just rewatched and talk about one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm, yeah, and they they thought it was still a thing, and I'm googling it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this still is like a viable wild. I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, yeah, at Cinebabble, contact at cinebabblecast.com, cinebabblecast.com. We don't have the twitters and the uh, the the YouTube. Maybe we should make our own like communication platform. Why don't we do? We'll just take our episodes, but we'll do them skinnamarink style. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just grainy footage of the podcasting booth, like slowly I'm revolving. And fine. every now and then there's a disembodied voice like, look under the microphone. <laughs> um, that was a Snickers. That actually kind of would be funny. I wish we had time for this stuff. Yeah. But, oh, well. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Sorry we didn't get to more. I had another four or five already queued up. Uh, we'll get to them next time. And uh, write in for some more. Uh, I really yes. enjoyed this. So, Clint, uh, I guess have yourself a good one. This is episode 75 of Cinebabble. We will be back with episode uh, 76. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. Strange how numbers work. Wild. Yep. All right, Clint, you have yourself a good one. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint. Bye, Clint.